Hello and welcome to Bingeworthy, a show that in the age of streaming and too much content will tell you, the listener, what shows are worth your time and attention. Hosted by myself, Mike D'Angelo, and editor-in-chief of The Playlist, Rodrigo Perez. As many of you know, Rodrigo and I are big fans of Yellowstone and 1883, to the point where we host a Yellowstoners podcast when those are on the air. So I obviously jumped at the chance to interview Isabel May, who plays Elsa Dutton, the main character of 1883. Uh, Rodrigo and I don't do a pre interview discussion this time around because as i said we have a whole yellowstoners podcast dedicated to yellowstone in 1883 so feel free to search those down on your podcast apps of choice if you want to go season by season with us in the interview we talked in detail about her getting 1883 and her journey through the shoot i will say we go hard into spoilers so make sure you watch 1883 before you listen to this because we go there also the interview uh, was recorded maybe a day or two before rumors began swirling about the potential cancellation of the wonder twins movie that isabel is still very much in the mindset of learning you know everything she could about the role and and so you know we touched on it we decided to leave it in there just because no official confirmations of whether the wonder twins is a go or not so either way it was a wonderful chat we were both sick but i still felt like we had a good time so it's worth it just to hear how down to earth and kind Isabel is and how seriously she takes the work. But before the chat, I've got to tell you that Binge Worthy is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the Playlist Podcast, the Discourse, which I'm also a part of, also Be Real, Deep Focus, The Fourth Wall, and more. can be heard on iTunes, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and now Spotify. Follow us on iTunes and you'll get this podcast as well as our other shows regularly. Be sure to subscribe and drop us a comment or a rating as we very much appreciate it. Okay. Enjoy my interview with the wonderful and talented Isabel May. So I guess I just want to start off by thanking you just for taking the time to speak with me. I'm not sure if this is something I should openly admit or not, but the, the playlist editor in chief and I exclusively hosted a Yellowstone specific podcast with 1883 as well that went right into 1883. And we, uh, of course, adored every second of the show. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So we've talked to like Tim McGraw and Eric Nelson and LaMonica and yeah. a bunch of people from the show and you know all this to say no you're good all this to say that you are in the right place and i'm you know very happy to finally speak with you oh thank you so much and eric and obviously eric and tim were just the best i love i'm sure you had of course some time talking to them they're so they're such nice guys yeah um have you have you only spoken to them We've spoken to a couple people from the main Yellowstone show as well. Um, But yeah, this started, you know, we we jumped on the Yellowstone train a little late. We got into it at the beginning of the pandemic and started the podcast right after that when we realized we were both doing the same thing. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, you're watching the show. We we both really like it. (laughs) We didn't have a lot of circles because we're from like metro areas. So they hadn't Mm -hmm. quite jumped on board yet like they have now to where everybody kind of embraced it. Isn't that interesting? I don't know what happened, but it seems over the... The pandemic is really what kickstarted the coastal areas, really finally learning about Yellowstone and kind of giving it a chance, which it seems to be that it's a lot of people knew about it, but weren't willing to give it a chance, which I think is always interesting. Um, Yeah. But that's very cool to see that. I mean, would you say what season three or or was it just recently season four that grasped your attention? Yeah, I came on, I think, when three was ending. Um, oh, wow. So I watched all of it and then, you know, had to week to week it with season four, which was torture, but I, I got over it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's jump into the beginning yes, of, of, of your journey here with, with 1883. Let's talk about how the part of, of Elsa Dutton came to you. Oh, goodness. Um, well, it was, uh, I mean, I'm sure you've heard about it. 
uh, a little or bit yeah. potentially uh, yeah no i i auditioned for a different project for taylor and uh found myself in the very 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 lucky position in which uh he he came to me after didn't after saying no you're not getting that other role and said but I, i've written one for you <laughs> which obviously as someone who has an extremely limited resume has have i, I was very young i mean i'm still very young it's weird that this was a year ago today wow pretty much that i signed on for the first officially to 1883 so barely any time has passed it's strange to think that we finished shooting in january which was three months ago or something mm-hmm. um but yeah that that was my introduction into the show was basically taylor saying hey come here <laughs> come on in <laughs> you auditioned for me once and i wrote a whole show for you let's <laughs> let's do this yeah it's just man that's just wild to hear wow yeah. yeah did you have a sense of how big the show might be, you know, going in or how much of an idea did you have going in that this character Mm. might take off as well? Uh, Oh, I, I I mean, he told me the first thing he said was you're going to be, it's going to be through her, her eyes. She'll be narrating the show. And so we'll be hearing what's happening. Like her thoughts as things are occurring, right. Um, The audience is being led from her perspective um, by her perspective. And, but you know, that could mean she's just sort of this side character that, yes is giving giving the audience the sort of play-by-play of what's going on and how everyone feels about it but doesn't necessarily mean she'll be an an integral figure I mean there have been cases in which that that happens and then you know I got to the last episode I mean really I the very first scene of the first episode was an indication after hearing her or reading her entire trajectory it was it was kind of mind-boggling. And then it was a strange thing to think, I'm, I'm actually going to be doing these things in front oh, yeah. of a camera. Yeah. And that's obviously kind of like a famous thing that Taylor does is he makes all mm-hmm. his actors go through the cowboy camp. How was that experience <laughs> for you? Oh, it was wonderful. I loved it. I mean, what a luxury. You're, you're <laughs> flown out for free. You're living in someone's place for free. And then you're riding their beautiful horses all day and learning to rope and lope on a horse and... Um, you know, traversing across his his property, these beautiful fields in Texas. Yes, it was 106 degrees, but you know, it's like a it's a free sauna in my opinion. <laughs> you get to walk into, and then you get to walk into a you know wherever you're staying, and there's air conditioning, and you're fine. But um, that was incredible. It was really really fun. I don't know. I was there for two and a half weeks, so I was there far longer than everyone else, which was interesting. But I wanted to immediately get on a horse and embrace all that Taylor had to offer in preparing us properly, which I'm really grateful for. So it allowed the whole cast to really create a bond, you know? We're kind of in awe of Taylor in general. Because (laughs) he's obviously like, he's one of our white whales for like interviews because he's so busy, but he's, Mm. he's, you know, got these like a myriad of projects going on. (laughs) How present is he able to be on set? you know, or if you have a question, are you able to like call him or just talk to him? And what was it like working with him in general, you know, hand in hand in this project? Well, I mean, one thing that, I mean, why I feel so lucky to have been not only involved in a Taylor Sheridan project, but involved in this one in particular, it's because I remember one of the first things he said, I mean, he always said, look, there's going to be two other directors um, because we'll, we'll have two units going at the same time. I choose the scenes that I want to shoot. Hmm. and they do the rest sort of thing and then and so i said 
I went, oh, okay, so you're not always going to be there. And that was sort of my assumption. And then actually, you know, we're shooting and he was there always. <laughs> and I went, what? Didn't, didn't he warn me that sometimes you'd be a little absent? And he said, no, this is my baby. I can't, I, I, I can't leave. This is my, my child, you know? It's the greatest feeling, in my opinion, as, as an actor, to be a part of something that someone truly loves. And that's, he loved the show. And anyway, so I, what I mean to say is on set, he was always available. Always. He said, if if I'm not there in person, you text me, call me, tell me what you think, what you need, what you want, what you need to know always. So he was never unavailable. Yeah. Ever. I even, I want, someone told us a story. I think it was LaMonica said at one point, a horse ran off in the middle of a, you know, a scene. He calls cut. Goes and gets on his horse, <laughs> runs back. and get there, you know, yeah. comes back. He's probably written a whole script in the process while he's doing it. Just yeah. freaking insane. He's, he's un- I mean, he's unbelievably prolific, obviously, but he's also someone that really lives the lifestyle that he likes yeah. to, that he likes to write about, you know? And what I find interesting about him is that uh he is always trying to be better at that, to do better at that. And um he's always working on writing and herding cattle with his employees and so on and so forth. If he asks you to do something, he'll do it himself, which I know. Yeah. I think LaMonica said that as well. So I stole LaMonica's line, but <laughs> it's true. There's a lot of truth to it. Yeah. And then obviously Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, they play your parents. Mm-hmm. I believe I'd heard that you had no clue who they were going in or is that <laughs> wrong? Is that true? <laughs> no, it's completely true. I uh, <laughs> kept on saying Faith Hill and Tim McGraw, Faith Hill and I remember the first time Taylor, you know, lists all these names out loud um, over the phone because my interactions with him up until flying for Cowboy Camp there were all over the phone. Obviously, I'd only met him in the auditioning, the testing room for the other project very briefly. And so I got very comfortable with his voice and very (laughs) uncomfortable with him, his appearance, because it's so they both kind of contradict one another. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, he. The, one of the first things he said was, Faith Hill told me I was a, and that's all I heard was literally gibberish. And I thought, well, who the hell is that? I have no idea who he's talking about. So I kept on asking people, I was like, he said something about Hill and Mick Draw or something like that. And they're like, Faith Hill and Tim McGraw. And I went, yeah, do you know them? <laughs> you know who these people are? And it was a little embarrassing, I'm not going to lie, in retrospect, now that I know. What yeah, how quickly done. after Googling them did you go, oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't Google them. That's the thing. I have this weird thing, phobia against Googling people because there's so much, um, quote unquote, misinformation or things Fair enough. worded out of context online. Um, and I've, not, I've, I've observed that happen to people over many years of knowing people who are in the public eye and, and being kind of on the outskirt of that. Um, and it's unfortunate. So I didn't want to have any assumption of their character or anything like that prior to actually meeting them in person. Cause I don't think that's fair. Um, but I feel like that always, and also I, I always, if I find something embarrassing about some, about someone, <laughs> yeah, and then you gotta meet them in person it's in the back of my head. I just don't want to do that. So I, I did not look them up, but eventually I did. And, um, after I fell in love with them and, you know, it's just the greatest couple two people in the world and um, was very, yeah, a little a tad embarrassed. Not gonna lie. <laughs> it's all good. They're uh, very, at least yeah. you know them now. Um, They're very well known and they've achieved quite a lot <laughs> in their lifetime. <laughs> yeah, they definitely didn't have to jump into something like this no. that was going to take their lives over so much. Mm-mm. 
no, it's, yeah, it's, I, I commend them quite a bit and, and they were 100%. There was no favoritism. <laughs> There's no such thing as favoritism on the, on a project like this. It was very much everyone collectively struggling together, which was wonderful. Um, now, yeah, some people a little more than others. Um, and you know, the crew worked so hard. I think this was probably the hardest thing most of them have ever done. Yeah. And was this one of those, did you guys film in chronological order? Or were you jumping all over the place? <laughs> no. Yeah, you were no. all over. No, we, wow. we shot the first four episodes. And then from mm-hmm. there, I die. Sorry. <laughs> no, Spoiler. I wanted to bring it up eventually. So I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't me. So when I die, mm-hmm. um, we shot that scene after we finished episode four. So wow. episode four, flew to Montana, I die. And then we shoot nine, back to 10 back to nine, back to 10, back to nine, eight, five, eight, six, like wow. that. It was gibberish um, and <laughs> ridiculous, but you know, it's what you got to do. You got to know everything that's going to happen. The minute the story starts to the minute the story ends and never be caught off guard. And I made sure that most, I think all of us did. Wow. That's nuts. And he gave it, gave you the whole, you know, one through 10, right? Like oh, up yeah. front. I, I was receiving the scripts as he was writing them and he would, what he would do is he would write a script or a couple of scripts in like 14 hours in one go without stopping to drink or eat or anything like that. Um, apparently that's what, that's what I've been told now. Was I there to see it? I don't know. Yeah. Do I believe it? <laughs> no, I'm joking. I totally believe it. He's totally that kind of person. Um, but yeah, no, I was receiving them as, as he was writing them to such a degree that he hadn't even named the episode. So I would just say, like blank title, no date or anything, a, a ton of, or not a ton, but some grammatical errors because he just hauls butt through them. So, right. so really you knew from the very, you knew from the very beginning that you were, this is a one season thing. You're, you're going to die at the end of it. Yes. That was the first thing he told me. You're wow. a goner at the end. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. Um, but I think it's a perfect story. It's, it really is. Yeah. I couldn't imagine it being any other way because, uh, if she had survived, it would have been a bunch of eye rolls. Like, oh yeah, sure. She would, yeah, she would definitely get over that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the amount and, of times that we've seen that, you just kind of expect that it's going to happen, you know? Exactly. And, and, and quite frankly, that's not, usually is not the situation. Um, most people don't, didn't survive their wounds. And yeah. I think that it kind of gives you an idea of how important, you know, when, I, what I like about it is you could go back to the very beginning because it's the only way you, can, you just have to rewatch it over and over again. It's like Lonesome Dove. <laughs> but instead, you when you watch it, all of that voiceover that, you know, some people had to struggle through. Maybe some people didn't like it. Okay, teach their own. Others maybe loved it. But when you rewatch it, you're hearing everything she's saying like it's for the first time, I think, because it has so much more meaning. And, you know, you can think, was it from the grave or mm. or any of these things? There's a reason why she sounded different in the voiceover than uh, when you're watching her on screen. It's because she she understands life because she she lived all of the life that she had. Sorry, yeah. there's some obnoxious individual <laughs> handling a machine somewhere doing his job. So I'm sorry for calling him an obnoxious individual. Um, We're all good. My 60-pound pit bull is snoring like. Oh, over there, so it's all oh, good. <laughs> I love that. But see, that's more relaxing. Like, I would love to hear a 60 pound pit bull snoring. Um, my dog Joni uh snores like that as well. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I have it as my ringtone, actually. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, so it, it's just 
that's kind of a long-winded answer. Yeah. But yeah. So filming the death scene, I can only imagine because it broke me. Like I was watching oh, the episode good. holding my baby daughter who was less oh. than one year old at the time. Oh, and wow. I, I, I love her, but I got to say, don't recommend that. Not necessarily. No, no, I couldn't imagine. I mean, that's the thing. When we were shooting it, I, I've always the opinion that I seek out while shooting anything the most obviously is the crew because they're not going, they, they sit there watching enough <laughs> uh, all day. It's their jobs to watch people act and to set up scenes and whatnot. And um, their perspective is, uh, I like how frank they are and um, they're not going to make you feel good or anything. And, mm-hmm. and to hear them over and over again, kind of say, you know, it just makes me think of my kid as a dad. Uh, it's it's un- kind of an unbearable thought um, and it's going to tear out parts from chess and I mean I don't necessarily want to do that but I also think that that's the power of of storytelling is that it makes you feel something as though you're actually experiencing it yourself despite the fact that you're not it could even potentially give you I don't know a l- make you a little more empathetic for the people that actually have experienced them I don't know maybe mm. that's getting too deep but I think that's what's so incredible about yeah. stories like this. Just logistically, did you have to do that over and over again? Or was it like, <laughs> we're going to do a few takes of this and then we're done? Uh, the first time we shot it was, um, well, we shot the whole, you know, writing up, for looking for the tree, the spot, finding the tree, the whole process of getting off of the, off and on the horse, because I was on its butt. um was very uncomfortable um but (laughs) I was convinced that I would fall and land on my butt every single time uh so like my thighs were squeezing that horse as as tight as possible while trying to act like I was you know on the verge of death but actually once we landed and we were going to shoot the full scene Tim and I just bawled our eyes out in the first take (laughs) just weeping because we've been holding it in all day because Taylor called me that morning I we were we weren't supposed to shoot the day that we shot it oh wow we'd flown in and I was I was supposed to have like this day off because I'd flown in early just to be able to get my surroundings and then I got a call at eight in the morning from Taylor saying we're actually going to shoot this day because of weather um and I went okay and he went you have two hours (laughs) it's like okay great and then of course the next day were there any weather issues no did it rain no but it's okay it was meant to be and uh no tim and i so tim and i were weeping just unbearable and the minute he said cut taylor said cut he went okay glad we got that shit out of the way and um (laughs) and he was like no one pities someone who cries for themselves yeah. or about over themselves uh the audience is just going to it will not care you always cry you always try to hold in a cry and want first of all and second of all you cry for someone else mm. so if i'm you know in that moment it was she's exhausted and tired and there's no more to, you're facing death are you weeping uh, you're just trying to keep your eyes open you know sure. whereas her dad what was so powerful about that scene to me is, you know, Taylor told Tim early on this scene in episode two with a flashback. That's the only time you see Tim cry. His character, oh. Taylor, explicitly told Tim, you're not allowed to show any emotion until the until your daughter's dead in your arms. And so that's exactly what happened. Tim did a great job. Uh, but we only shot that a couple of times, not too many times. That's what I should have said. Sorry, that was very no. Long. I love every I'm all detail. over the place. <laughs> I'm, I have a lot of medication in my system right now. <laughs> you and me both. 
Um, I'm curious, just as a Yellowstone fan, if you were really into it before you'd even gotten the job with 1883. No, I had never heard. Well, I'd heard of it, but I wasn't necessarily. Um, I had never seen it until I until I knew that I was auditioning for the part. And then I'm I'm very sort of obsessive compulsive. I like learning. It's one of my favorite <laughs> yeah. pastimes and just in life. Uh, it's very fun to do. So part of my job is to learn about the, the, the people that, you know, you're potentially going to work for. And so I started watching it and went, Whoa, this is a, Oh, it's really good. Uh, that's interesting. I kept going and kept going. And, and then I, I realized that Taylor was the guy who wrote Hello High Water and Sicario. And I went, Oh my God, I love this. I love his body of work. I had no idea that this guy made television. And that's how I kind of discovered Yellowstone. Do you have a but, favorite character that kind of clung to you? In Yellowstone? Yeah. What do you think? I love Beth. I'm a Beth guy. Well, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm sorry. Everyone else is, you know. Mm-hmm. That's but true. <laughs> Beth's a badass. Mm-hmm. Beth's my niece. Wait, no. <laughs> Beth is my great, great niece. <laughs> and um, she has qualities of Elsa, but better even. Mm. And uh, yeah, no, I think Beth is one of the great great female characters seriously not i oh sorry let's I'll, I'll stop with the female character i'll just say character how about that she's a sure. phenomenal character and she really um, is and kelly riley is just wicked wicked good uh like i was saying we have a yellowstone podcast it's been on a bit of a break since you guys ended but my editor-in-chief and i were talking about you know in the last episode we're like this person is a superstar she is guaranteed to be cast in a superhero role within months and within months <laughs> oh i thought you're talking about me i thought you're talking about yes. Riley. i was like yeah yeah yeah, yeah you oh. <laughs> um lo and behold obviously it was recently announced that you're jana in the wonder twins movie so yes sir i'm very curious what your relationship is to the characters and how much of a goal of yours it was to kind of get in this the superhero kingdom if I'm being quite uh, frank, I don't, I didn't know, I never heard of them, to mm-hmm. be honest. And I'm someone that I'm more of a Japanese anime nice. manga lover myself. Sure. Uh, I could go, I could talk all day about that. I'm not necessarily <laughs> Marvel or DC Comics. I don't want to lie. It's that's just the truth. But right. I have learned everything there is to know about the Wonder <laughs> Twins now. And what I'm thrilled about the the film is just... I, I guess I can't really say anything, but um, I think it's really unique and fun and it's just fun. It's so fun. And I love the the, the thought of doing something so different than than what I've just done. But was uh, it no, Adam really that fun. sold you on it? Adam? Adam yes. Steichen, the, the writer director. I know it's yes. his first time he's, directing. I know he's he. Wow. He's not only is he a great writer, but uh, he's just an awesome guy. And I'm so excited to work with him and. And Marty Bowen, who's producer, is really, you know, this is his project just as much as Adam's. And it's it's just really cool to to be a part of that world, really. Um, and, you know, I've, I've, I love, again, I love learning about certain characters. So I've read all, any little, I, I know they're kind of like the butt of the joke sort of thing, but that's what's so fun about it is because you can kind of go anywhere with it. And, and so I've read all of the comic books that they're in and I watch, even watch the show. Sure. And, you know, it's not that, okay? I mean, this is, it's a different era and we're kind of doing a different thing, but um, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. It's just really exciting. I'm so, yeah. I'm, I'm so honored to be part of it. Seriously. It's really cool. Did you get to do the fun costume test with KJ or anything like that yet? 
Not yet. I'm yeah. I'm nearly there. I mean, it's a long process, but sure. it's 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 begun. Let's just say. <laughs> Very nice. I can't wait. I know. I'm. Uh, it's funny because I keep reminding myself, I'm like, you should probably work out. Like, it's really <laughs> tight. You should probably go like see if you can get a little muscle definition on your body. But right now, I'm sick and can think of nothing but eating a lot of food and and lying in bed. <laughs> That's totally understandable. I, I mean, I sound like I'm five years old right now. Because there's no. no air coming through my my nostrils. <laughs> We're both struggling through it with with our respective colds. I know. Um, also, you finally have uh, another movie in the can called The Moon and Back, which sounds adorable. Yeah. Uh, it's I've, very cute. Yeah, I've recently, you know, a couple of years ago, I lost my dad, so it kind of it sounds like oh. it might hit close to home and make me cry again. Yeah. But uh, yeah. can you tease what that's about, and you know what people should expect, and when we can? Oh see yeah. It? Yeah, a, I mean, I shot that. I shot. We shot that 2020 in. Oh wow! Just in November, long time, a while ago. So it feels like a million years ago. And it was very, very. It was part of like this project, slow budget. So I love stuff like that. Um, and and we shot it in 11 days. And it's about a, a young girl who has lost her father and is trying to cope with that, and discovers that her father wrote a space epic script, <laughs> and she's convinced that she has to create that movie. And, mm-hmm. and so it's like the process of her trying to do that is really humorous, but also really heartfelt. And yeah, I, I, I can't wait to see it either. I, I, I have yet to see it. So I know it, it premiered or sort of did a little screening a little while back, but I, I think it's still in the process of still in the post-production process. I don't know why sure. I did it with a weird accent. But... <laughs> Should we expect right. it on like a streamer or something? Or, you know, it hasn't even gotten to that point yet. I don't even know. I, cool. I know I should probably, yeah, we'll, we'll find out. It's just <laughs> one of those projects, you know, that takes 50 years to find an audience. But anyway, uh-huh. yeah, I'm excited too to see what, what happens with that. Well, I have kept you longer than I said I would, but I want to thank you again All for good. taking the time to speak with me. Uh, Thank and, you. And hopefully you start to feel better. But for our listeners, 1883 <laughs> is available in its entirety on Paramount Plus, And it is so worth your time. Isabel is amazing <laughs> in it. And oh. I look forward to watching your career, you know, skyrocket from here. Oh, all right. It was such a pleasure. Have a good one. Likewise. Morning. You too.